that instead of sitting there and, and trying to tell people like you have to eat raw meat or there's poison in that. What if I just let everybody learn for themselves, just as I have learned everything I know from myself, nobody should ever be that savior. It's like, why am I going to people's houses to tell them how to live? everybody. Welcome back to Root Awakening, a health podcast. If you want updates on my life, you can go to my Instagram or my YouTube. Both of those are linked in the show notes. And really, I just want to give you some updates about Primal Meetup before we get into this episode. More people are joining all the time and it's just going really well. And we have such solid, positive, helpful community on there. For those of you who don't know, I created an app called Primal Meetup for community and dating and friendship and parenting in the carnivore raw primal space. So if you're interested in eating raw meat, if you eat a lot of meat in general, if you're in like the carnivore world, I think you'll love this app. There is so much diet dogma and so much hating online. I got so sick of it. And with some encouragement from my audience members, I created this app. I use it for dating and friendship and just like a general sense of community that is supportive. I moderate this group and I don't really have to do a lot of moderating because everyone that joins is so cool, Um, but I make sure that no one is hating in there or treating people in a shitty way and I'm just really proud of it. We've just created a quite a bond with everyone there and the vibes are excellent and it's great to see who's single in a community when you have a more specific diet so check it out the link is in the show notes hello everybody welcome back to root awakening a health podcast i'm stoked for this episode peter frank is with me he's at captain peter frank on instagram he has these nomadic canoeing expeditions with his cat Riv and such a beautiful, cute cat and they're canoeing around. I asked Peter if he wanted to be on this episode and come on this podcast with me. And he said, okay, I'm, I'm traveling around the like thousands of islands near Florida and I'll let you know when I get to Miami. And I'm like, oh my God, this is fascinating. So he's an adventurer and, um, yeah, kind of lives that lifestyle, canoeing with his cat and posts about it on Instagram, just phenomenal content. And it just seems like he's been making his way through these expeditions. And I'm just really excited to have you on, Peter. Welcome to Root Awakening a Health Podcast. Thank you. It's an honor. It's an honor to be here. Thanks for being here. Um, So I guess I would just love to start with how you found yourself doing these expeditions and you can start wherever you want, but it sounds like you've had some really life-changing experiences even before you started doing these expeditions from a young age. And I guess I'd like to hear about some of those first. Um, Yeah, I, uh, more, more certainly I, so I, I guess uh, the story that I usually tell everybody and how I start with, and the the thing that just kind of like that would that became refined the the older that I got um, 
like when people ask me like what's your story you know you kind of just have a story that you tell a million times and then of course i've got all the other stories that you don't really tell a million times but the kind that you sit there in 22 degree weather in a in the middle of mississippi telling a a veteran in a hot tub and i have a lot of those too and they're they're fun so it's it's like you don't get to tell those stories a lot because nobody asks you know so um i messaged you a little bit about that and i said hey you know like i have a lot of you know like like i have like this cut and dry story and i'm gonna i'm gonna tell that because that that kind of just explains everything but it's gotten to the point is what, what i'm trying to say has gotten to the point where where I tell that story so much that it's just like, I'm ready to move into that next step. Just like we talked about uh, just a minute ago before we started recording, I'm ready to move into the next part of my life and the next, the next steps that I have planned out. And, um, but in the beginning uh, of my life is like, I was 14 years old and I was at a friend's house and at 14 years old, I hid in this leaf pile when she went in for dinner and I was planning on scaring her when she came out of the, when she came out of the house for dinner. And as I was laying in the leaf pile, this car had crossed the center line and drove through the leaf pile unaware that I was in laying down per line. And I was moved 14 feet from the leaf pile, run over by the car, I shattered my L1 and L2 vertebrae, and I fractured my right femur, broke three ribs, I broke my nose, collarbone, and a couple other bones. And um, I was marked down for TBI, traumatic brain injury, because my brain touched my skull at the point of impact, and I was unconscious for, um, for a short time. And then under the ambulance records, I had died for uh, approximately a couple minutes, less than a couple minutes. And my heart had stopped and I had no brain activity. And then I was resuscitated with the paddles when the ambulance had come. And I was airlifted to the hospital in Marquette, Michigan. And while I was there, I had to be medically sedated for one week. And then I was, uh, I was then put in a wheelchair after I had woken from my medically induced coma. And I had to relearn how to walk, go through this really long journey at a young age. And it took about a year and a half of like physical therapy and and like sit-ups and all like the all the things that make you do pool therapy and you have to do like the weird thing with you your arm all the time. And it was it was so boring. It was a year and a half, I'll never get back again, but it's it's okay because I, I, I made a really good recovery. But while I was in the hospital, uh, there was this organization called the Beacon House. And the Beacon House gave a place for my family to stay uh, because we lived an hour away from the hospital that I was at. So we couldn't drive back and forth um, every single day for my parents to see me. So my parents were able to stay there um, indefinitely thanks to their organization. And when I was relearning how to walk, the doctor that did my back surgery had told me that I, if I were to relearn how to walk, 
I would never be able to ride a unicycle again, which is something that I had learned a few years prior at the age of 11 from my brother. And it was one of my favorite things in the world. And I had asked him about it. I'm like, when can I, you know, can I do this again? And he says, you're, if you really learn how to walk, you, you're never going to be able to ride a unicycle again. Because if you injure yourself on a unicycle, if you injure your spine, I'm, I'm not going to do your back surgery again. And well, I was, took that as a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> about a year and a half of recovery, I did relearn how to walk. And after a year and a half, I got back on the unicycle. I was uh, 15 and, um, and I started unicycling again. A lot of things happened in between, in between that time and now, but, and I can get to that later, but, uh, but after I had, uh, after I had gotten back on the unicycle, I went through tremendous amount of growth, many years, I finished schooling. Um, I, um, and then at the age of 19, I just kind of like reanalyzed my life and everything I've been through and all the experiences that I had. And I just, I felt like a loser, you know, I'm just like, I woke up one day and I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to be a loser anymore. I just, I, I don't want to sit here and play video games, twiddle my thumbs, work at soul sucking jobs, work at a nine to five that would replace me in 30 minutes. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to live a life of, of this. You know, I'm a kid. I have energy. I have a brain. We all do. And it was, something in my heart like this burning desire in my heart to like do something greater and so i was watching somebody named ed pratt and ed pratt was a man who unicycled around the entire planet um at the age of 19 to 22 and uh, he did that in 2015 to 2018 it took him three and a half years and uh and i was watching his videos when i was really young and as i was growing I kept watching his videos and I became very deeply inspired. I think a lot of things that people do, especially the really, really successful people, is a reflection of all of their predecessors and all of the things that they've been able to listen to through their predecessors and be inspired by. And people that are really successful now know how to listen and they know how to learn. And so I got to a point in my life where I was, where I woke up and I'm like, I don't want to be a loser anymore. Well, I had been unicycling long before I even knew of Ed Pratt. And so that was just like this amazing experience that he was on that I was inspired by. So I learned a lot of things from him. Uh, I've, I've been able to talk with him a couple of times over social media. He gave me a lot of advice. I gave him ideas that I had. And at the age of 19, um, I embarked on this journey and I rode a unicycle across the United States, uh, 2,400 miles, and it took three and a half months. And I raised $34,000 for the organization that housed my family while I was in the hospital. And, um, and that, was the, that was the beginning of like what I'm doing now. And that was, that was it. Like that was, um, that was the beginning. I, I got to like, I got, I got to go into and move into becoming my best self through hard work and effort and being able to talk to the people that inspired me, being able to uh, communicate with my predecessors and the people that had pursued these, these amazing things in their, in their life as I was just growing into becoming who I was. And, 
And I think that I am not those people. Um, and I certainly don't want to be out here to strive to, to do something that's like, I don't want to be anybody else, you know, but I want to be inspired by the things that other people do. And I think that it really helps to find yourself by following in the footsteps of, of those who have done that before you. Otherwise, we wouldn't have the things that we have today. You know, we have so many different brands of this and that. We have different types of cell phones and like this Apple, Google, all these different programs. And, and all of these people are inspired, inspired by each other. Things are, are taken like a, a puzzle and we have all of these pieces to the puzzle. And as we put together all of these pieces, we get this miraculous image that is all just, it, it's beautiful to look at. It's aesthetic, it's aesthetic, you know, and I think that's, I think that's a good way of, of describing like true progression in the world. And I don't really subscribe to the idea of, of the current uh, progressive method because I don't really feel like we're getting anywhere with certain things, especially not with health yeah. and certainly not with obesity, certainly not with chronic diseases. Um, we're not getting any better with, uh, with education. I mean, you could see declining rates of even just like the simplest things like sperm count you see just declining rates of sperm count declining rates of uh increasing rates of heart disease increasing rate i think uh, i can't remember all the numbers off the top of my head but it doesn't feel progressive you know so like i think that taking a moment to understand that and acknowledge that there's there's people who have done the things that that you do before you and very few people create something that's completely new, you know, and I don't, I don't want to strive for somebody that, you know, I don't, I don't want to strive for something that's like, God, I don't want to be this, uh, I don't want to be the best at something. I want to be the best at being myself. I don't want to be the best at, at, at competing with, with other people or, or anything like that. I, I don't think that's important, you know, because it's like, then it doesn't become about being your best self. It becomes about being the best person in the room, I guess, in a way. In my head, it does at least. It's like if I, if I kept unicycling, I was like, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the first person to like do this or that, unicycle to Jupiter or something crazy. Yeah. <laughs> You know, if I'm if I'm striving to like be better than my predecessor, it's like it's like yeah, well, sure, that's a good goal, but I mean, what are your reasons for doing that? Yeah. I think you know, conquering yourself before you conquer the accomplishments of others is certainly a good place to start to being your happiest and highest self. But then, after I had unicycled across the country, I was like, man, this is this is awesome. I was on like this euphoric high of of adventuring and, and being out there and seeing the world and I had experienced things that I would have never predicted before this journey I thought I thought you know like I thought in my head I was like man I love unicycling so much I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna unicycle every day to be able to go out and meet people and that's what it was but what it turned into is uh, it turned into a reflection of the pure-hearted pure-hearted nature of humanity it became a reflection of of the beauty and contrast in the world. I was able to see things that I never even knew existed. I was able to see 
I think love for the first time. I think, and what I mean by that is just, I think that everything is love in some way or another. Everything is a, is a reflection of that. And certainly we can, we can portray things that are in the opposition of love and we can have actions that are in the opposition of love. But, but I think that, that nature in itself and some form of divine energy or great consciousness or source or stream is, is love, is directly a reflection of love. And when you tap into that, you can tap into, you can tap into manifestation. You can tap into that stream and you'll feel like you're following it, like your, your intuition. Like if you listen to your intuition or you can like tell your brain, you can say like, man, I want to wake up at five o'clock in the morning. And then like all of a sudden you wake up at like 4.54 in the morning. Yeah. Like it's like the things that your brain can do. And the more that you pursue, like some people call this, a karmatic system and they follow the belief of karma other people will say that it's god and it's prayer and god answering prayers then other people will say that they are manifesting and then other people will say that they're manifesting through christ then other people will you know like a lot of it is like different words for the same thing i found and it may not be you know i could be wrong i mean i'm just a kid you know i don't i don't know you know but what i can do is i can just I could think about it, you know, it's certainly if, if I'm being ostracized for thinking and pondering information, then maybe it's not the information that needs to change. You know, it's like, it's like, okay, well, why am I not allowed to think about this? Why are people angry at me for thinking about this? And not that people are, but you know, in like a hypothetical situation, if I were to come to you and say, why are you eating raw meat? That's bad. Like that doesn't, that doesn't make a lot of sense. It's your life. You're free to do whatever you want. The object of good and bad is like what I perceive to be good and bad. You know, I mean, obviously there, there's uh, religions like Christianity that believe that the Bible is 100% infallible, absolute truth, and that moral code should be followed to a T. And then there's people that you know are kind of nihilistic that don't really believe in anything and, and have just like a chaotic view on the world and good and bad to them is a is a um is a direct reflection of the programming that they have undergone through their entire life that each and every one of us have, have undergone over our entire lives i mean like we could grow up in an environment and have our parents tell us that jumping on the coffee table is a good thing or it's allowed you know it's it's acceptable and then we go out there in the real world we jump on the coffee table and all of a sudden we have a bunch of people yelling at us saying why are you jumping on the coffee table but we don't understand that because nobody ever told us that that was a bad thing you know so we we grow in the way that we are taught and we get and we end up getting confined into boxes sometimes and like we talked about before we started recording is that like there's these different boxes with diet in and i can certainly sit here in my little box and i can i can ostracize everybody around me and say oh you are not doing this because it doesn't line up with the things that i've been taught in my life it's like i came here with nothing i came to this world with nothing and i will leave this world with nothing yeah. and in the bible it says it says that naked i came into this world and naked i shall leave it yeah while i'm here why am i trying to dress other people mm there's no there's no purpose for 
me trying to dress other people. I think that there's a purpose for me to dress myself from the clothing of others in a way of you know a metaphor for knowledge and and it's not my job to give other people my clothes certainly not everybody's going to leave this world naked and as i i think i should create some sort of object in my mind otherwise i'm being too nihilistic you know and so that object is if it hurts other people i mean don't don't do it you know it seems pretty straightforward you know I certainly don't want to be hurt so why would I why would I do that to other people so that seems a good place to start for setting your own moral code if you don't believe in the bible and um and you know I I certainly have my beliefs I have my I have my thoughts and it doesn't really matter at the end of the day because we're all going somewhere and who knows you know I mean like I like people will listen to this here's the thing is like it's like people will listen to what I just said and they will just like wipe away everything that I just said and they will only listen to like oh you don't believe in God and it's like I never said that and it's so selective like we have gotten to a place in our lives where we are so selective in our in our in our thought process when listening to other people it's like it's like either you agree with me or you don't it's like okay well why is there no middle ground yeah. Why is there no time to ponder information? And it's like, that was the thing with veganism. It was like, I got into that and it was like, well, you know, there's kind of like this and that, you know, like what if, you know, what if like regenerative agriculture, what if like one, two, three, zero, five, and they're like, no, it just, it's like, <laughs> no, like, you cannot think about that. And it's like, okay. So I get to the carnivore community. It's like, it's like, what if I went like, fully organic 100% it's like no you cannot because this is like nutrient dense and I'm like okay but like you know I I'm, I could be wrong like I'm like admitting I could be wrong have you tried that and they're like well no my health fell apart on the same diet that their health fell apart for but I, I never lived through their experience so I don't know and I can't sit here and tell them that they are right and wrong for like trying things, you know, because their experience um, triumphs any kind of secondhand knowledge. Like I can, I can sit inside of a house and I can look out the window and I can watch the weatherman on the television. The weatherman will tell me it is perfectly sunny outside, right? Or I can go outside and look up in the sky and it'll be pouring rain, okay? And so the differences between those two scenarios is that sitting inside that house, listening to somebody on the television is secondhand knowledge and going outside and experiencing it for yourself is firsthand experience. And in the, in that specific scenario, going outside and experiencing it for yourself will always triumph that secondhand knowledge. And I'm not saying that you should not believe in like, research and you shouldn't research things but you should be more inclined to trust yourself and your own intuition before listening to somebody on tiktok tell you that like it's sunny outside so it's like it's not it, there's there's potential for misinformation if you're getting all of your information from especially somebody who's profiting off of you learning that information i mean that's it's more in 
in my in my head logically thinking like that that's more inclined to misinformation i'm going to be listening to somebody who's making billions of dollars or getting paychecks every single month like hefty paychecks because they're telling me information that is only being told to me because they are making that money you know what i mean and so like going into like a plot that's a, that's a really deep rabbit hole it's a really big conversation but um i don't know i i got to the place that i am in right now because because i tried things i tried new things and some things didn't work some things did and i hate to like sit here and like dog on veganism like like i have to iterate like this is my experience um this like it could work for other people i don't know you know but it, it definitely didn't work for me and granted i i certainly didn't do everything to like this magical tea but i don't want to pursue something that if i were to do wrong there are massive consequences and so i think that should be a factor into whether or not you're going to do things as well there's certainly a consequence to everything i love everything you're saying like these are all these are all topics that I have to learn along the way. And some of them are relatively new to me after really hard times in my life. And I feel like I'm at a place right now where things are going really good. Not everything is perfect and there's still some things I want, but overall things are going good. And things are going good because I figured out a lot of these things that you're saying in general, like I have to explore. I'm not gonna know all the answers always. And that's not even, why should that be the goal? And things don't have to be black and white. And I still have a lot to learn and that's exciting. And also trusting what feels right to me. And something that stood out to me that you were saying, Peter, when you were talking about having a basic moral code of just not harming anyone else. You know, if you don't have a religion that you're guided by and you don't know what you want your moral code to be, and let's say people listening are starting to get this intuitive feeling to start following the their own drummer, <laughs> following the beat of their own drummer. I think it's amazing advice. What, what feels harmful to you and what doesn't feel harmful to you to other people? And I think feels is a really important word there. What feels harmful to you and what doesn't feel harmful to you? Because I think we tend to complicate. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> I think I was going to ask today. Oh, you got a magnifying glass. So, if you ask your dad about how to use a magnifying glass, he will tell you that you can use the power of the sun to start fires. It's really cool. So watch this. So you see these lights up here? Yeah. Take this little magnifying glass, and you look on the table. Uh huh. It'll create the reflection of the light, and the closer you hold it to get hold it in the perfect spot, so it creates like this really small dot. If you do that with the sun and a piece of wood, don't do it on a fence or anything. And make sure you ask your dad first. But if you hold it to a piece of wood, he'll show you how to do it. 
it'll it'll you can draw with the power of the sun. Oh. Don't do it on your skin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, what hurt? <laughs> yeah, go ask your dad about it. Thank you. Sorry. Amazing. Who are you staying with right now? I'm staying with Robert Arrington from Deer Meat for Dinner. Oh, oh, I don't know this person. Yeah, are they on sure. Instagram? Yeah, but he does a uh, he does YouTube. Um, so he's he's on YouTube as Deer Meat for Dinner, and I'm staying at his house right now, and I'm uh we're i'm sort of working on a documentary for my travels it's kind of just like it's in the it's in the making but amazing oh that's awesome i'm excited wow just cool stuff you're getting into man um yeah so what what i was thinking about what you were saying you know what is focused on not harming other people. And we tend to society or I don't know, the news or our culture tends to make that so complicated because we start to say veganism is harmful to other people or and or the earth or carnivore is harmful to other people and the earth. Somehow you're gonna harm other people by doing this or believing this or it, it can be complicated even just to have the simple quest of not harming anyone else. If we listen to too many other people, it's get, it gets overcomplicated. And that's why I think it's so important to always go back to what feels right to me. There's people all over the world telling me this raw meat is, it's fucked up that you're eating this stuff. It's messed up that you're having this diet and it's harmful. Well, it doesn't feel like that to me. So I really, really, really have to trust that. I just really have to trust that. And that comes with time. You know, it's been like four years since I've been saying, oh, I want to connect to my intuition more and live more intuitively. And just now, like 2023, maybe end of 2022, I've come to the place where I feel like I really am connected to my intuition. You know, it takes, takes time to build that. But I think the way I'm looking at it is like, we always have to come back to that because there's always going to be someone that kind of hints that what we're doing is wrong or hints that there's a better way. And yes, there's a lot to learn and there's always room to learn. But I just have found that if I balance that, knowing that there's always more room to learn and trusting what feels good and, and right to me at this point in time, that's how I can find a good place to live my life. Yeah. It's um, it's like I, I'm certainly not saying anything new, you know. Like I, I, I come on here and talk about my experiences, and and especially with with eating raw meat. Like everybody on your podcast who has come on before has said the same thing. So it's it's nothing it's nothing new, and I'm certainly no genius for following the leader, you know. But it but it's something that works, and I'm going to pursue it until it doesn't work. So. Um, and I've certainly never heard of anybody that it didn't work for. So that seems pretty promising. Doesn't seem like there's a lot of consequences. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, like I said, it's not like I, I could, I could sit here and talk all day about like this and that and, and all the, all the things that people are reading and know already. And these things have already been said, 
time and time again. And I continue to learn them time and time again. And, um, but even, even with eating, like I can't, like I said, I can't uphold that 100% of the time anymore doing what I do. It's incredibly difficult and especially financially difficult. And so I have to do what's best for me in other areas as well. Yeah, because as I mentioned with um, having opportunity and having, um, I don't know, I feel like privilege, just like the word privilege has been like so raped. I like cringe in my mind whenever I think of that word because it's just, I think of like some sort of global agenda with like you're a privileged white man or something like crazy. And I, just, I can't even like, I can't even like use that word anymore because it just feels like a swear word. Like you say that like immediately half the population is just turned off and doesn't want to listen to you. Yeah. It's like, as soon as I mentioned like privilege in any way, like I couldn't even be, wouldn't even be relating to anything about anything. It would just be purely ge geographical. Like, like I'd be like, man, I'm in America. I'm, I have so many more opportunities. But if I use the word privilege, I'm like, man, I'm privileged to be here. It's like, it's like, did you just swear? people immediately look at you like you're an idiot. And it's like, yeah, well, kind of, I mean, I am, you know, like, what am I talking about? And just yeah. saying things, saying words and spells out of the mouth by a man-made language. It's like, why am I trying to convince anybody of anything? I think we should just like come on these podcasts and just, just learn from each other instead of like, I don't know, I watch a lot of podcasts and a lot of the times it just seems like people truly believe that they have something to teach you and they do but um they're not really teaching anybody by pursuing the role of a teacher you know i don't want to teach anybody anything but i do it does feel good when people learn from something that i do and whether that's a form of pride or not i think that's beneficial to all parties i've seen people time and time again follow in the footsteps that I lay down and it's funny because just a couple of years ago I was following in the footsteps of my predecessors as well that just seems just so funny that like people look onto my story and, and think wow that's a guy I want to be like it's like that just it feels good to be able to inspire people and I am privileged to have that opportunity whether that privilege was something to work towards, whether I put amazing amounts of, of, of time and effort into, into getting to there, I'm, I'm still in a position where I was born at just the right time and place to be able to be able to do this. And I'm thankful for that. And it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to be privileged. And you shouldn't, certainly shouldn't feel bad about it, you know, like, but I don't, I don't, I don't mean it in a way of like trying to make people feel bad, I guess. I think that's the difference is what I'm trying to get to is that like a lot of things right now when people say, oh, you're privileged because of your color. It's like, that's just kind of, it just kind of feels like, feels like people want me to feel bad for something I have no control over. You know, might as well just make the most good out of what you have and it just doesn't really seem like a good thing to say something like that 
that's I don't know who who even really knows. I haven't I haven't really put a lot of time or energy into studying like the political games and the agendas with all of that. I don't I don't like to waste my time with a lot of politics and and stuff. So I can't really I can't really give you any more opinion other than what I just said on that topic. Just because it's just it's not it it has become something that is not beneficial to my existence. Because I, I have watched time and time again people sitting on their cell phones for hours and hours and hours just watching like these these documentaries. And it's like, yeah, that's you know, it's it's something that's happening. And they're like, well, you have to stay mindful. It's like, okay, yeah, but what's a byproduct of this mindfulness? Uh, you know, you're looking into something that is purely negative and negatively driven. And unless it is directly harming you right now. Like you putting that time and stressing out your mind so much and putting all of your energy and thought into that negative energy gets you to a point where you are now manifesting and outwardly projecting that negativity. And people see you on your cell phone looking at that stuff. And then what do you do when you're done on your cell phone? You go regurgitate that information to other people. That way it can get ingrained into you. And now you are outwardly projecting negativity onto the world around you. And that's not attracting positivity. What that is, is is you're repelling positivity. You are now an aperture, a caricature of negativity. You are that. You are which what you talk about. You are what you are studying. And when you put your time and energy into those things, it just doesn't, it doesn't pay off in the end. Because you're not fighting that by understanding it. You're fighting negativity by being positive. You're, you're fighting positivity by manifesting negativity through the study of these things that are not directly harming you. It's like, it's like yeah, you could sit there and research those things. And, and that's great. To an extent, I think it's good to know things. It is really good to know things. But man, every day, every day, I, I used to do that so much. And I used to go to people's houses and think that I was helping people. I used to think that I was like, like saving people, you know, and, and and I hear this from like so many people. They're like, man, I'm saving somebody. I'm I'm saving these people. These people have to know. And it's like you're not. I, you know, maybe they are. I don't know, but it doesn't feel like I'm saving myself when I do that. You know, just same thing with like animals and veganism. It's like you gotta do what's best for your body first before you can do what's best for the welfare of the planet that you live on. Most certainly, can't really uh, can't really conquer the world before you conquer yourself. I love that you say that, and I want to hear more about that. What did it look like? What has it looked like thus far in your life to conquer yourself? Well, I still have uh, still have a lot of conquering to do. It's another never-ending thing that we do in life, right? Yeah, but I think if I think if everybody did that, then I think the world would just kind of work. There wouldn't there wouldn't be a world that is in need of conquering because everybody's too busy becoming their best self, you know. The problem is that is that the world needs conquering because nobody is is conquering themselves and you can't like i mentioned earlier you can't 
sit there and convince somebody of something that they don't want to be convinced of. And there's a reason why the world isn't like that. So why are you trying to do that? Why are you pursuing all of this negativity day in and day out? And so what I found that has worked for me is pursuing positivity. And so instead of sitting there and, and trying to tell people like, like you have to eat raw meat or there's poison in that. Like, I, like I'll go and talk to like a girl or somebody that I stay with or, or somebody and they'll be drinking oat milk and I'll be like, oh, you know, oat milk is toxic. And then, and then I'll go like through what I do. I can't carry raw milk. I can't carry raw meat for lengthy periods of time. And so I have to compromise sometimes. There's been times where I have to go into the store and get a can of raviolis. And it's like, why am I being such a hypocrite about what people put in their mouth? So after a while, I, I started recognizing my behavior and I said, well, what if I just let everybody learn for themselves just as I have learned everything I know from myself? Well, I mean, I haven't obviously... What I mean is, is that nobody came to me and told me that I had to study or believe in what I believe in. I have gotten to this place because I have listened to my predecessors. I have studied the things that interested me. I can't break that sequence by now taking what I have gotten to and being some sort of savior. I'm not a, nobody should ever be that savior. It's like, People should ask more questions, yes. And if people are so inclined, it's great to have conversations like the one we're having now. And certainly there's going to be people that are on their path that are going to watch this and they're going to think, man, that's so awesome. What that guy said or what that girl said, yada, yada, X, Y, Z, they, they you know, said this and that. And then they look into it and they find it on their own. Nobody went to them and told them, you have to believe in this. You know, and so like, why am I going to people's houses to tell them how to live? And that was one of my biggest mistakes was was trying to be the savior, big savior complex or whatever was going on in my head like years ago. And it was just, it didn't matter. Like I did that through veganism too. And I was like, this and this is bad. You know, you gotta think about this and that. And I was like, I was just like spewing out this, this garbage all the time. And even if it's true, even if it's like going to help people, it's like the minute it comes out of your mouth in pursuit of changing somebody, that's when it becomes garbage because it's like they're not going to eat garbage. They're not going to change from that. And some people might, you know, but then is it genuine? Like even with Christianity, like I meet a lot of people who are Christians who have had no form of any kind of like life changing experience in their life. They're believing in that simply because they were told to. And then you and then you meet Christians that will tell you that they believe in God because like they died or something and they like saw something or they had like a miracle in their life or like something right and they had like this life-changing experience. Mm -hmm. And those that like you can really tell the difference when you talk to talk to these two different people. And like you'll talk to somebody and they're like, Yes, praise God, you know, praise God for everything. And then you'll meet the other people will say the same thing they'll say praise god praise god for everything but it's just like the way that they say it and, and you can like look right into their eyes and it's like man this person is just like has faith and 
same thing with like any other religion. Like it's like you can really pin this on anything. You could say people believe in in Buddhism because of um, some kind of philosophical change in their in their experience and and or psychological change in their experience and and that all of a sudden they woke up in the classroom and they realized that there there was writing on the chalkboard and they decided to read it and that writing said everything that they now believe in and it's like you can't get through life just by copying what's on the chalkboard you know but when when you get up and you look out the window and it's like everything is just happening in front of you you start learning you start you start believing in things you start you start having an existence instead of instead of just this cut and dry poster board with just like half ass handwritten just fake experiences you know like just same thing secondhand knowledge and firsthand experience two entirely different things and firsthand experience in my opinion it's just it's always going to triumph that it's always going to come out on top because you're going to you're going to have stronger faith in what you believe in you're going to have stronger manifestation you're going to you're going to have more confidence having believed in what you believed in by experiencing it firsthand i could sit in my house i don't have a house but i could sit like in a house and i could study like everything there is to know about canoeing everything there is to do about like waterways and and piracy and just like crazy stuff for 10 years and it would like not at all amount to what i've been through in the last nine months like because like the last nine months was like it was there and i started that with no experience no knowledge i never studied anything like that and so like that's what i'm talking about it's like like you got to get out there and do stuff to grow in my opinion, I, you know, people can do whatever they want, but I mean, that's, that's where I found my happiness, to say the least. Yeah, I, I agree 100% just in my own experience. And I found it really fun to play around with what my intention is when I talk to people about, I mean, anything. Like what, what's my intention here? Going back to what you were saying about, is it, are you really even doing anything or helping anyone by trying to convince someone to do something that they may or may not want to do? And I realized, you know, with all the, the diet stuff and new practices that I'm taking on, even if I wasn't actually asking someone to try this or telling someone why what they're doing is wrong, I found myself like, in the past wanting them to do what I was doing. And then I looked into that and I'm like, why do I want them to do what I'm doing? Because I want what's best for them. Well, I'm not God. I don't know what's best for this person. I'm lying if I think, oh, well, I know what's best for this person. And it was, it's interesting kind of how this all ties in because this is the same feeling that happened when I stopped watching the news and engaging in politics. When I stopped trying to control other people, my life got way better. It was just way more fun and happy and interesting and joyful. Same thing happened when I turned off the news, same thing happened when I turned off politics. And uh, I, yeah, I think so, so much 
we, I, I used to waste a lot of time trying to control things that were out of my control, you know? Um, so it's, yeah, it's just cool. It's cool how you're explaining all this. And I, I connect with it a lot. I want to talk about loneliness because you spend a lot of time alone. You have your cat, which is awesome. What has that experience been like to travel alone? And you stay with people, which is amazing, but what has it been like to travel alone so much? Well, I certainly wouldn't be out here if I didn't enjoy it. And always in the back of my hand, I, always in the back of my head, I, I like remind myself that you know, I can stop at any time, whether it may or may not be true, you know, but, um, but I, I think uh, loneliness is not something I have ever really experienced. I think I've experienced forms of, of loneliness. I've, I've experienced the presence of being completely and utterly alone and felt it surround me. And, but never have I been in a position where I have felt so in need of another's company that it's just it it eats me from the inside out i know it'll i know what loneliness feels like and it's it's not something that i experience out here and i think the reason for that is because i have a purpose i have a goal and much like horses when you uh when you train a horse horses are psychologically wired to have a goal and have a purpose and so I just spoke with some some people uh, horseback riding just this afternoon, and that's why I bring this up and it's so fresh in my brain. And what they told me is that is that people will see others riding horses or riding wagons around for money, right? And they'll they'll have like those caravans and they'll like around New York or something, and uh, and they'll say, oh, those poor horses, they have to work all day. And they told me, they said, those horses certainly have it way, way better than like any other horse because those horses have a purpose and they're wired in their minds to pursue a goal. And and it, when they're not pursuing a goal, imagine how sad a horse would be if it had to stay in a hot stable all day long. Well, even if it had food and water and everything and I could run around. It has no purpose. It has no drive. That horse is hardwired to have a purpose. And when it's when it has a purpose and it's working towards something, it's serving its master. That horse is very very happy. And horses in the wild, you know, they have a lot of freedom. But when you confine a horse, you have to give that horse a purpose because that's part of that horse's psychology. And so a horse in the wild, that horse's purpose is to survive. And it's to eat and it's to drink and it's to reproduce just like every other creature on the planet. That's why we don't see depression in animals out in, out in, the, out in the wild as prevalent as we do in, in captivity is because everything out in the wild, out in nature, following the stream of consciousness has a form of purpose. It has a goal. And so when I'm out here, I don't experience loneliness. I rarely experience depression. And if I do, it's because I drink alcohol. And I and I'm aware of that. And so when I'm undergoing feelings of depression and anxiety, I analyze what my diet has been the last few days. I analyze my behavior and my experiences over the last few days. 
and I'll pinpoint it and I'll say, oh, that's because they drank alcohol, it'll just pass soon. You know, and it's like, it's like, wow, it does. And I'm like, okay, back to like being happy, you know. <laughs> and so like it's just it's so it's so stupidly simple. Like the world is so stupidly simple that it's like in its own complicated simple way, if that makes sense. Yeah. But it's just it we overcomplicate things. Like, well, like I could sit here and talk about like the psychology of stuff and make all these big words and phrases and say like, oh, this and that, and this is why things are wired this way and that. But at the end of the day, it's just like, you give somebody a purpose and give them real food, it's like they're gonna improve like 110%, you would not believe. And so when I'm out here, it's just like, I'd live just a stupidly simple life. Sure, it's really hard sometimes, but without those really hard days, um, my easy days and my happiness would mean nothing. It just simply would. It just, if I only had happiness, like, sorry, not happiness, but if I only had like comfort, for example, and I only had um, everything that I would ever need right at the touch of my finger, and I never worked for anything, I would not really be happy because I, I simply don't have any struggle or purpose. It's just like, here, exist like a vegetable that's kind of what most of society is it's just like yeah you have a certain level of like working for something especially if you have a job and you have a family but like let's take that away like things are currently being taken away through like um through like like let's say tinder like a dating app did literally designed for hookups and you're just going and having casual sex all the time for pleasure and you're just going and and pursuing all of these meaningless things and you have everything at your fingertips, you're never going to have something that's difficult because you never have anything that's difficult. All of this happiness is like, um, or all of this, this dopamine is just causing you to be a vegetable and you're not pursuing a family anymore because you can just have sex whenever you want. And it's too hard to raise a family because you're just, having sex all the time with strangers that you're never going to see again you know so I, I, I don't know in my opinion is I think there's some level of beneficiality to restricting yourself from having constant comfort and me in my current journey I'm at the perfect place to where I can get an adequate amount of character growth at a young age and grow into becoming my best self sooner rather than later because of that. And I think that's important for me. And I think that's a big reason why I don't stop. And another big reason is because I died when I was 14 and I was told that I might not ever be able to walk again. And I was told a lot of things that didn't happen. And so I guess being out here living my hardest life, I guess, is my way of demonstrating my gratitude towards the world for just simply having the ability to do the things that I'm doing. I came so close. It's like one inch away from being paralyzed for the rest of my life. That's just remarkable.
if there wasn't some form of divine intervention in there, like, and I'm going to have like a really good conversation with whatever kind of archetypal God force I'm going to meet in some form of afterlife, or, or maybe I'm going to never see that. Maybe I'm just going to immediately get spit out into like the brain of an iguana. I don't know. I don't know. It's yeah. funny though, because it's like, it's funny that we don't know. Yeah. And we'll like, we'll go on these podcasts and we'll like pretend that we know. And we're just kind of just like saying words and pretending like we know things. I don't know, but it's cool to think about, you know, that's why it's like fun to be alive because we can just do whatever. Yeah. We, we know what we think. So it's, it's interesting to me to like, I I've done this every single day this week, you know, but it's all been so different and so special. And my point is like, I love doing this. I love it. Even though, you know, there's a lot of, I don't know, there's a lot of conversations that involve giving people tips or describing what has worked or describing philosophies on things. I think it's cool to just observe the human experience by connecting about what we think, you know, it doesn't even have to be about what we know, or any kind of advice I think it's just cool to to connect with people and how else do we do that, you know, I mean there's a lot of ways to do that but I, I like this way too. Um, when you died when you were 14 did you have any moments or see anything or. What was that experience like on a spiritual level for you? Probably. I don't really remember it though. They gave me amnesia medicine when, at least that's what they called it. There's some kind of name for it, but um, they gave me medicine that made me forget that entire day when I got to the hospital. They told my mother to sign a contract and since I was 14 years old and she didn't really, they said some kind of like lingo like, uh, it's going to be more beneficial for him and reduce the risk of PTSD if he takes yada yada drugs and forgets the whole thing happened. And so she was like, oh, okay, it's better for him. And so she signed a signed a contract. And um, I used to be really, really angry at the hospital system for like, even like, like, why didn't I get a say in that? Like, holy crap course i get it i was like unconscious but holy crap like that would have been really cool to remember mm-hmm. you know and i'm sure that there's somebody out there that is just like shaking their head at my ignorance right now for having said that because they're they like went through something that gave them ptsd and of course i can't you know i can't speak for that because i've never really experienced anything to that extreme of, of psychological torment but, but I have undergone mental torment and physical stress through trials and tribulations over my journeys. So I have, you know, at least some understanding to, to what the brain can be put through before it cracks, but, but I certainly don't have that. So there's somebody there that's shaking their head and they're like, well, you don't know what it's like. And I've had people tell me that. And it's like, yeah, but, you know, being somebody who is, who had the experience, but has had that experience taken away from him like it never happened, I think it would have been really cool for me to remember that. And whether or not that experience would have scarred me or changed me for the better or worse, I think that it it would have been really cool to remember. I wish I could tell you. 
but it was something that happened and I guess everything that happened after that was was a byproduct of understanding that I died not the experience of actually dying unfortunately but even that was enough to propel me into what I'm doing now and for that I'm thankful yeah it's cool it's cool to hear you describe that and cool to hear you say before we started recording you said I just love life I love my life something similar to that and it's cool to hear people say that I like that to hear that a lot especially when you know I can just I can feel from you that you mean it and that's important we need to hear we need to hear more from people like you who really believe that and think that because we need to hear it <clears throat> yeah I like uh I like breathing I like a lot of things as do a lot of people otherwise we would all be dead I guess yeah, yeah. but so. I think some people are I mean there were times in my life where I didn't want to live right and now I do. And I really, really needed people around me who told me, whether it be indirectly or directly, I enjoy living now. And I didn't want to live before. <clears throat> that was really important for me to hear from other people. So I like hearing it still. Um, do you want a family later in life? Yeah, absolutely. Who wouldn't? I don't know. <laughs> Some people absolutely, might not. I okay. Absolutely. I wanna I wanna meet somebody someday. I wanna meet somebody who is currently thinking in the same linear way that I am. Not to the T of my beliefs and things like that, but what I mean by that is like I, I want to meet somebody who is currently trying to become their happiest and highest self. And once when I get to a place where I feel like I can financially support a family, once when I can be my happiest and highest self, I wanna meet somebody at a time when they are also ready to be happy and high and with somebody else i don't know how to explain it any better to be the to ex to expect the gold standard you have to be the gold standard yeah. and i guess right now i just kind of feel like i have a lot of work to do and there's really no simpler way to put it than that what kind of work do you have to do? I've, uh, I've got a lot of things on myself I want to work on. I think um, a lot more self-discipline. There's a lot more things that I want to accomplish. And I know that there's more people that I have to meet. And I can feel it in my heart. There's a lot more time that I have to spend alone developing my character. I mean, for God's sake, I'm only 21 years old. <laughs> You know, I, I think I'd, I'd like to at least at least meet somebody, maybe not even get married, but at least at least meet somebody by the time I'm 30. And 
that's a really long time away. And that kind of bums me out to think about. But I know that I have a lot of work to do on myself. And, um, and you know, if I met somebody right now, it would be like, it would kind of be like, I'm just like struggling through life with somebody else. There's no really, there's nothing really beneficial about pursuing something so early on um, into your character development. Because you got to get to a place where you're, you know, like, I don't know how to raise a kid. You know, I don't know how to, like, I don't have a complex understanding of the female anatomy yet, but I'm trying, you know, I'm looking at videos online, watching YouTube about like how the female body works. Like, I want to understand these things. Like, oh, I, that's cool. I love if that. I understand some, like, if I end up with somebody, I mean, I feel like that's something to understand. That's something you should know, you know, like, you know, I, I don't want to end up with a life form that like, I just kind of pick up. I'm like, what the hell is this? You know, <laughs> like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. So like this, like I said, there's things that you got to work on and uh, you know, patience, gentleness, kindness. Like I've, I've been, I've been noticing that for some odd reason, I've, I've ended up being a little bit more self-centered recently. And I really don't like that. So that's something that I want to work on too, is just having more situational awareness of my surroundings and just trying to be a little bit better at that. And like, I'm just focused too much on like what I've got going on to analyze the world around me and to analyze the people around me and what they're going through and their emotions. Cause that matters, you know, the people around me matter. And certainly I don't have to, I mean, I could certainly raise a family without those things, but I think it would be a lot better if I, if I took the time to work on myself now, rather than, you know, trying to date a gold brick as a silver brick, you know? Yeah. That's just how I feel about that. Cool. Cool. What about you? Oh yeah. I want a family. I want a family and I'm 31. So, which isn't for, to me, I'm like really detached from when stuff needs to happen because in my life, it's just things happen when I'm ready for them, as you say. And I really, yeah. really trust that every time I put a time limit on something, it's like way too much pressure just for how my brain works. So yeah, but I, I do feel like I'm at a space, things still need to work out on my end as well, but I feel like emotionally, I'm really, really ready for a partner and a husband. <laughs> so yeah, that's where, that's where I'm at. But I like what you say about, you know, I think people overlook that a lot. And I've overlooked this too, that when, when your partner hasn't shown up yet, or the right person hasn't shown up yet, there may be a reason for that. Maybe there's things you have to learn along the way first to be able to bring the person you want into your life. And so I've been, yeah, just really trusting that. And um, yeah, I keep going back and forth. Like we've been saying this whole episode, I don't know everything. So I don't know if I'm meant to be like way more financially stable. I'm not financially stable at all right now. I'm also kind of homeless in a way. Like I go and stay at people's property. I do like a lot of property sitting. And um, a couple of weeks ago, I was at a horse farm. So I love that you talked about horses and 
Um, and then I'm, I'm at my parents' place in between property sitting. So like, I'm not at a spot where I'm like, oh yeah, I have my own house and I'm just, you know, ready for, <laughs> ready to have kids financially. But yeah, it's just something that I know I want. And um, I'm open to like either having to learn the lessons and then that person comes in or that person comes in and then we, you know, I learn the lessons along the way or I'm not ready for a kid yet, but I get pregnant. So I'm just have to be ready and learn the, the, the lessons as things happen. Yeah. I've always been envious of people who are able to put what they want aside for the time being. And you write about that a lot on Instagram or you have recently, I've been looking at some of your posts and you, you're a big proponent it seems of doing something even if it's something that you don't want to do presently or you know you could use different wording stuff that's really hard or stuff that feels like a struggle sometimes you put a lot of you champion that even if it's uncomfortable you think it adds to your life would you agree yeah i, I agree wholeheartedly there's a for some reason, there's an importance in my mind to what I'm doing. And I think that um, who I am serving by doing what I'm doing is myself. And I don't want to let myself down, no matter how hard it is. But everybody has their limits. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, to give a little context, because we haven't uh, covered this, is um, I'm currently on a journey um which is today every day 272 so i just had my nine month anniversary um two days ago and i started i put a canoe in the headwaters of lake itasca minnesota nine months ago and i canoed the entire mississippi river from the headwaters to the Gulf of Mexico, Louisiana, which was 2,400 miles. And that took five months. And then I immediately sold the canoe, purchased a bicycle. I biked 700 miles along the Gulf Coast to the east and ended up in Dunedin, Florida, where I sold the bicycle and bought a second canoe that was faster than the first canoe. The reason why I did that is because my first canoe was not adequate for for uh for saltwater travel um it was a boat that worked really well with current and um and having the flow of the water and going with the flow of the water and maneuverability i didn't need that on the on the gulf coast so i biked to a boat that i had um picked out and when i started biking i just kind of like had a feeling in my heart that it would end up like it, everything would work out and so it did. I think like 350 miles in, uh, I got in contact with this guy. Turns out he was down in Dunedin, Florida, and he had one of the canoes of my dreams. And it was a 1982 Sawyer Loon. So the canoe is twice as old as I am, and it is very fast. It was designed by Verlin Kruger, who currently holds the world record for longest canoe expedition ever taken, which is 
which was 28,000 miles. And uh, it's just crazy. The guy's a legend. And uh, anyway, the, he designed these boats. There's uh, like five generations of these boats. And, um, and so the one that I have is the first generation. Uh, that was, I believe, the one he took on his expedition, his 28,000-mile expedition. And if it wasn't the 28,000 mile, excuse my ignorance, then it was one of the, uh, the other amazing expeditions. But over his lifetime, he had paddled over 100,000 miles in a canoe. It's just remarkable yeah. what this guy has done. And uh, anyway, sorry, I'm fanboying over this. So uh, anyway, I, I, I found this boat and it was one of my dream boats. And so I biked all the way to Dunedin, Florida, um, sold my bicycle, bought this canoe and put it in the water and I was finally in salt water again and I paddled from Dunedin which is on the west coast of Florida 300 miles south to the Florida Keys and that's paddling through the 10,000 islands uh, partially through the Everglades and then uh, a 24 mile straight open water crossing from Flamingo to Isla Morada and then I paddled here from Isla Morada which is Jupiter, Florida. I'm in Jupiter, Florida right now. Um, so I'm a, a little bit, about like 60 miles north of Miami. So 80, sorry, I'm 80 miles north of Miami. So yeah, this is nine months. Um, along the way, I've had a plethora of experiences. When I started, I had dreadlocks uh, filled with beads. I sewed my own pirate tricorn from scratch out of deer hide. Uh, before I left, which took six months, and I dress like a pirate while I'm traveling. <laughs> and uh, right now, I'm just you know freeing the head a little bit. So <laughs> when I got to New Orleans, I shaved my head uh, very very short. So this is the last four months of hair growth. <laughs> and then uh, in Gulfport, Mississippi, while I was on the bicycle, I found. A little Siamese kitten. He was four months old and I nursed him back to health. He had an upper respiratory infection in his nostril and he was starving and thirsty. And it was during the first cold front of the year. So it was just below freezing temperatures and he was so cold. And when I picked him up, he just kind of dangled, dangled in my, in my hands. It was yeah. beautiful. So I nursed him back to health. Couldn't find anybody to take him at the time. So I took him with me in a little carrier bag on my chest and I, I raised him myself and I, uh, he slept with me every, every single night in the tent and uh, I've had him for four months now. So he's about eight months old. I can go grab him really quick. If you yeah, need, please. If you'd like me to. Yeah. Um, I'll be right back. Okay. Yes. So. <laughs> I uh, I didn't name him. Oh. <laughs> let me uh, let me move this keyboard out of here so that. There you go. Come here. Come here. So this is um, this is River the cat. He was uh half the size when I found him. Aww. And 
I I didn't name him. A couple of girls that were with me named him. They're like, oh, it's so cute. You know what you should name him? Like, <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't. They're like, you should call him River. I'm like, like, okay. I'm like, I, I'd probably just name him something stupid anyway. Like, come here, something <laughs> stupid. Come here, something stupid. So anyway, that kind of just like clicked with like all of the ladies' heads. It was like, it was like, oh, is, uh, is, is River up? Can I go see River? I'm like, we did not agree that that was kind of ended up like that. And it fits. That was the cool thing is what it's just like it it's stuck and now it's like a good name. It was probably like the best thing I could have named him because it was just it just it makes sense. Yeah. But uh yeah, he's a he's a cool little fella. Yeah. I love his temperament. And I was watching your video with him, with River and with John from Raw Meat Experiment. And and uh, it was such a cool video. I shared it on my stories. And River eats the raw meat with you. Yeah, yeah, we we share a lot of our meals. Like I said, I cast net. Um, I learned how to do that a while ago, and then I learned how to do that on this trip. And I'll cast net fish, and we'll eat raw fish together. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll um, pick up steaks and organs from supermarkets, and I try and look for reputable farms and when i can't find farms i mean it's like you're really gonna die from eating meat from a supermarket versus like eating peanut butter you know so yeah i don't know i kind of i kind of i kind of feel like uh you do the best that you can do and that's still a lot better than people that are not even trying so yeah but uh yeah we share meals together he's a really really cool cat very dog-like so yeah. he's, he's, a, he's a Siamese Manx because I had discovered after rescuing him that um the closest place that could because I was trying to like see if you had a home like I checked for a microchip nothing mm. and after some research there were some ladies that came by they were like we had discovered that there is this house and there is like 50 to 100 feral cats running around in this property and that was eight miles away from where I found it oh wow and for a four-month-old kitten to be running in the middle of the night eight miles away from this house could have taken him days to get there in the cold yeah that's why he was so hungry and thirsty he's been out there for so long his mother he probably just got off of breastfeeding and he needed her to find food and all of these cats are probably just like stealing all of this food because one thing i noticed is that when like in the beginning in the first couple of weeks i would give him fish and if i touched the fish he would growl and like he trusts me so much but like it was it was the thing that he doesn't do that anymore because he knows me and he got over it but um but in the beginning he would growl if he thought that you were going to take his food away and i think that's because i think that's why he ran away because there were just so many so many feral cats there that were like bullying him yeah. and since he couldn't eat anything he was like man i gotta go find some food yeah. so he runs away and there he is i'm like eight miles away i pick him up and i'm like hi little guy you're gonna be called river and sit in a bag <laughs> for the rest of your life and he's like wow you know so that's just kind of how i ended up now he's like my traveling pirate cat and i've been teaching him to like jump on my shoulder and shit 
He's probably not going to do it right now. He's he's never been in this room before, so to do an experience for him. So he's, <laughs> he's out. But um, but yeah, he's he's much like a dog, like. But he doesn't bark, so he's not like a you know not like a annoying dog. It's like a really yeah. quiet. He has all the perfect features. Yeah. So, <laughs> He's he's traveled hundreds of miles on the bicycle with me in a little bag, uh, but it got to the point where he got so big and so much energy that it was like it wasn't really fair for him to just live his entire life in a bag because yeah. you travel all day and then when you stop you set up and then you got to go in a tent. So it was like, man, I don't really want to see him live all of his young experiences in a bag. So I thought canoeing, getting back into canoeing, was was really good for him as much as me because it gives him more freedom. He can run around the boat. He can actually sprawl out and lay down and and like stick his head out and watch birds and, and fish. And I can cast net more so I can get him more fresh food than like going to the store and getting things that are like bleached or treated and stuff, you know? So yeah. there was a lot of benefits to it, but he's my best friend. Um, I wouldn't say my most faithful companion, but he's definitely my best friend. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't trust him with a lot of stuff. Like he's digging his nails into my foot right now. Come here. <laughs> Give me a little, uh, little Chinese mangrove. <laughs> he's so cute. I love his little his little vest. <laughs> so cute. Oh my gosh. I was thinking about that last night when I was looking at your page. I was like, River probably loves the canoe. Like he gets to look outside, check everything out. Food her. is guaranteed for him. Fresh fish is guaranteed. It's awesome. <laughs> He's such a cutie. <laughs> Man, so how's how's that um raw fresh fish like how does the candy oh my god River. i'm trying to show you, to show you his tail <laughs> got a little bobtail i know is i didn't mean, is it, I didn't is mean it, to flash you with his balls it's but. fine it, it'll be good for clickbait <laughs> um is his tail short because of the breed or did it get yeah yeah he's a he's a siamese manx if you look closely at his arms he's got stripes on his arms and that's what tells me he's he's a half breed, so he's a mix between a Siamese steel point and a Manx, and uh, both are very dog-like. And the breed itself is like very dog-like. So like his personality, everything just like lined to a T. Like if you went online and searched personality of Siamese Manx, it'll tell you everything about his behavior. It's just it, it was wild. Wow. So, <laughs> it's like like to a T. Like you can go online. It's like pretty predicted and everything it's all there and so that was that was pretty cool and I started reading up on a lot of that and just as he grew up it turns out that was exactly how he was very dog-like easy trainable outgoing um very sociable if he's conditioned into being social early on and he was while on the bicycle I met a lot of people he was in a bag he had his head out he got to meet people every day right um the only thing that he didn't get to socialize with was cats because in the first four months of his life, he lived in a cat order's house or around a cat order's house, getting bullied by cats. 
So when he came to me, he never really got to experience cats. So all of his experiences with cats have been like getting bullied. So he hates cats. But with dogs, I stay with a lot of people and most people have dogs. So, and more, more often than not, those dogs are either like really tiny or they're really nice or they're really trained well. Um, cause I find, cause I don't really stay with people where they're like, oh, you got to watch out for my dog because he bites people. It's like that never happens because nobody's going to invite you to their house if they have a dog that bites people. So the only dogs he gets to meet, come here, Trevor, come here, come, come here. All right listening not too well yet so <laughs> um but yeah so he's he, he's gotten to become conditioned with dogs which is really cool because he'll like like there's like this little dog here right his name is uh her name is mia and she's like she's like this big right? tiny little dog <laughs> and that was that was the size of river when i found him well now river is like twice the size of that and they're best friends and uh and so but river hates bigger dogs now because um the bigger dogs uh he had this experience i stayed with somebody she had a great dane and i left the room and i let them play together because i thought that you know they're best friends and then all of a sudden river starts crying so i come running back in the room and this dog is like mouthing river like rolling him around in his mouth just slobbering them all up you know because that's what the dog is inclined to do is drooling all over He's not hurting him, but he's just like rolling him around in his jaw. <laughs> and because uh, the dog thinks like that's his way of playing, you know. So, you okay, bud? You alive? It <laughs> got. Come here. So, um, so anyway, that was a really traumatic experience. And ever since then, he's been like, he's hated bigger dogs, like absolutely hated bigger dogs. So if a dog is like really small, like a Shih Tzu, like he gets, gets along with them so well. That's unless, so like, the, unless the dog is just like nonstop barking at him like a three, like a lunatic, so. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, he's a, uh, I, I think, you know, like as we were talking about like, I think I think that things happen according to what they need to happen in your life for your process, for your path and character development. At least at least that's you know, my belief. I don't really know. But uh, as far as my experiences have, have come, I certainly feel like I'm walking down a yellow brick road a lot of the time. And when I had found this kitten, it just kind of like came into my life at the time that I was thinking about like starting a family but but it was like I the world knows that I'm not ready to start a family and I know that too whether whether I'm like manifesting that or projecting that whatever I think that this cat coming into my life gave me the opportunity to learn how to take care of a life form other than myself and put me in a position where the welfare of another consciousness is my highest priority and i think that's a big part of raising a family is is putting your family above your your own needs putting your family above yourself and being able to think for them with not only awareness of their well-being but but i just i, I think it's necessary i think that 
everything that's happening right now in my life is necessary for my character for my character growth. And I think that for whatever reason, this cat came into my life. I think because I kind of have guesses all day. I don't really know, but for whatever reason, he came into my life. And I think it's certainly a good one. It's a uh, it's a big reason why I took him with me. It's because I because I knew that not only he needed a life, and he chose to come here to have an experience, but I. I also chose to come here for an experience, and I, th I think that I think that it was important. I think that was I think it was one of the most important things that I've I've ever done was was choosing to raise this cat. And to me, that's that's magical. It's power, powerful. But and then I think I'm going to get to a point where it's like where it's like, and you learn so much from raising that cat. And then like that next step is going to come, you know what I mean? Just like I was talking about with, with where I am and now, like I, I met these people and, and it was like, wow, that's the next step. Like I had no idea that there are these things that I could learn. And especially from these people that like took me under their wing to mentor me. And, and that's just so powerful. So it's like, it's like, like the, the way of the Tao, the Tao Te Ching is is following that river following that that conscious spirit and just going with the flow and a lot of people look at that and they'll say oh go with the flow so like just do whatever happens you know it's like well no not necessarily i mean like certainly there's a certain level of of meeting the universe halfway with your experiences to be able to grow further and that's part of the contrast that's part of the duality of being alive is 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 having the ability and the willingness to pursue things that are difficult and that's part of following the river following the river doesn't mean just getting in an inner tube and being like oh there's a waterfall i'm gonna fall down it it's like yeah right try falling down a waterfall <laughs> it's like no you you gotta figure out the safest way to get down that waterfall and you gotta work really hard and really fast to do that otherwise you're going to be in some serious trouble you know you can't just not do anything but but there is a river and that uh, a lot of the time it feels like i'm on it <laughs> but yeah god so interesting what's interesting just what you said just being alive yeah it's like like yeah but you have very very lengthy amount of character development to get to that you go through by, by by the time you reach your final destination which is death like it's just the the things that just unimaginable things that that, that people can experience in, in their short lifetimes and and even being able to witness the things that I've gone through in the last two years, it's been miraculous to watch as my brain develops into, into somebody who's, oh, do you want to see Mia? Yeah. This is not my dog, but this is the, this is the cat who's best friend. Oh my goodness. They're so cute. <laughs> now I see what you mean by best friends. Oh my gosh. How <laughs> They're so perfect together. <laughs> Aww. They're pretty cool. Pretty cool cat. Yeah. 
They have matching harnesses too. Cute. Cute. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I just got that harness from from the person that owns the dog. That is so pretty. Oh, it's so pretty. <laughs> That's such a fun thing. It's amazing. And they they must have just met, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Like I said, he, he loves small dogs. It takes him a little bit to get used to. Like he'll hiss at them at first and then they'll then they'll be cuddling. So. <laughs> and then they'll be doing that. <laughs> yeah, so they'll be like fighting each other. <sighs> that is awesome. Yeah, pretty amazing. So Do you have well, any animals? Uh, I don't, but I take care of some when I'm property sitting. I did not have to take care of horses, but dogs and cats mostly. And I love them. I didn't grow up. We grew up with like one cat that didn't really like people, you know? So I've never had a dog. I've never had, I guess, you know, similar situation as what you're going through right now in a sense, because I'm learning how to take care of properties and animals and things other than myself and that's been really rewarding like very like you say I'm just like clicking everything together right now like you say to have a sense of purpose and to look out for something other than yourself it's meaningful it's it's been really meaningful and just joyful like animals are they're not connected to all the stuff that we're connected to necessarily they don't have the same worries as we do or they don't have the same confusion that we do they're they're a lot more pure you know yeah they're uh yeah. my cat is like the spawn of the devil he, <laughs> like look at him he's <laughs> killing that dog <laughs> come here, come here. <laughs> you got an angry face on come here. <laughs> all right you want me i have so many holes in my tent <laughs> I love it because River looks so chill and he is chill, but he looks really chill and gentle on all your pictures and in your video. <laughs> so he doesn't and look mostly as he is. He huh? is mostly. But oh, okay. the problem is is that like sometimes he's not. Yeah. <laughs> so he gets he gets hyper just like everybody. He's got a lot yeah. of energy to burn. When he's just sitting in the boat all the time, you know. You bring him to somebody's house and take him off the leash and he's like a wind-up race car he just goes Nyom! across the room and then jumps off the wall and comes back yeah so, it makes yeah. sense it makes sense. yeah and so he gets to when he gets to play with a dog Aww. he never gets to play with dogs so he's just like he doesn't know the limits of like what that dog can handle and he's never had anybody play rough with him so he doesn't comprehend the fact that like his teeth and claws can hurt another dog you know yeah. Because I've I've watched him devour mice and lizards and fish. Whoa. And when he wants to eat something, he's gonna eat it, you know. So when he's playing with the when he's when he's playing with Mia, he's not trying to eat Mia. If he wanted to eat Mia, he would just immediately euthanize Mia. Like yeah. that's what he would do. So when Mia just yelped, that was because he just gets really riled up and he'll go and like dig his claws in give her a big hug and she'd be like oh my god <laughs> is this podcast central or what <laughs> it is it is are you gonna come on uh well i've actually got an alligator i've got to go catch right now we just got a call from a family who's got a really 
nasty gator in our backyard that we've got to go catch. Wow, it's wild. That sounds amazing. Yeah, so I was telling Peter, he can either go catch an alligator or keep podcasting, but. You might want to go catch, I mean, I would catch the alligator. <laughs> I think uh, I think Robert Arrington and I are going to go catch an alligator. That's amazing. What a way to end this podcast, man. Awesome. Have a blast. Peter, thank you so much for coming on. This was so much fun. And how can we support you before you go? Um, I just, I post pictures and I write a lot on Instagram. Uh, and my website's in my bio. If you guys just give it a read, I'd really appreciate it. So um, other than that, you know, just be happy and smile more. I think that's the best way you can help me out. Yeah, amazing. Awesome. Okay, Peter Frank is at, at Captain Peter Frank on Instagram. And who's, whose house are you staying at here? This is Robert Arrington from Deer Meat for Dinner. You guys, you can tell us. Yeah, no, so I have a YouTube channel called Deer Meat for Dinner. It's an outdoor lifestyle channel. We uh, we just live that good old organic outdoor lifestyle and try to promote ethical, moral outdoor activities, hunting, fishing, diving, spearfishing. He's a, he's a great guy. We all, know where our meat comes from. Yeah, <laughs> all about sustainability and real life experiences. We get along really well and have a lot to have a lot to share with each other and I've certainly learned a lot since I've been here so this is this is actually one of the people that I was talking about that has uh come into my life recently that's that's been mentoring me into being a better me so I uh I'm very thankful that I'm here amazing incredible wow and our audience are we're gonna have a lot of fun with both of you guys um they're gonna be really into what you're doing and i'm excited to check you out too so great to meet you great to meet both of you guys thank you so much maybe we'll have to have a follow-up episode for deer meat and see what we can dig up there and yeah you guys thank you so much this was so much fun Good deal. It's always cool to walk into a conversation and you can tell how the conversation is going by the countenance of someone's face. And judging as the countenance of your face right now, the conversation went really well. You look literally smitten. You just look like you have this glow. So that's really good. Thank you so much. I'm filled with joy right now. <laughs> like I feel good like deal. I'm radiating joy. So yeah, it was <laughs> a blast. Hey, hey, here, here's the question. You know the difference between being happy and being joyful? No. Happy is a quid pro quo. You have to do something in order to be happy and you always are moving that bar. So you always have to do more to be happy. Joy comes from within. Oh, that's amazing. Wow. That's been my life experience. That's for sure. Being joyful and being happy. Think People think it's the same thing, but it's not. Being happy is something that outside creates. Being joyful comes from within. Mm -hmm. It's so true. That's been my life experience for sure. For now, sure. yeah. I'm going to go get my uh, gear ready and we will uh, see y'all soon. I can't wait to listen to this podcast. Let's yay! <laughs> awesome. All right, man. Thank you Thank so much you so for much. having me on. I can't wait to rewatch this and share it with my buds and my friends and my family, of course, my beautiful family somewhere up there in Michigan. I'll see them and again. Isn't that, did you know that I'm in Michigan too? You're in Michigan? We're in Michigan, or Grand you're Rapids. not Grand Rapids. That's Upper Michigan, right? Or is no. it lower? Uh, no, it's it's like the middle of the Lower Peninsula. Okay, I'm in the middle of the Upper Peninsula. 
But, oh, that's so cool. Uh, I guess in three, four months from now, I should be within like a two-hour drive of you. That would be amazing to meet up, have a raw meal. Let's do it. Let's do it. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll film a second video then. Oh, for sure, for sure, man. All right, get that cool. alligator. Uh, we'll talk soon, and I'll let you know when the episode's out. All right, I'll see you soon. Thank you again Thank you. for having me out, Emily. Thank you, my friend. Bye bye. Bye bye. Okay, you guys, I need your help here. I want to get word spread about the info that we share in this show as much as possible. I want it to reach around the world. It already has. I want it to continue to reach around the world. And I want us to be able to share this information because this is empowering shit. You guys know that I only share empowering shit on here. I only share stuff that is going to make you feel like your dreams can become a reality and you can create what you want in your life and you can achieve what you want in your life and big changes can happen. Big evolution can happen in a positive direction in your life. I've done that in my life. It is my goal. It is my life purpose to help as many other people achieve that as well. So if you can help me do this, I would be so grateful. Please share this episode, share my podcast, other people about my podcast, share it on Instagram. I would just so appreciate that. Subscribe, uh, whatever we can do to get the word out more about this information. I love providing it for you guys. It makes me so happy and it would just mean the world to me if you continue to share it. I love you guys so much. Info on how to work with me is in the show notes. I have a group coaching course. I have one-to-one -one private coaching. I have a workshop. There will be more offerings in the future. I'm There's a lot going on. So all of this info is in the show notes and enjoy. I can't wait to see you on the next episode. Talk to you soon. I love you.